Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 10 of Campfire Girls in the Country by Stella M. Francis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leanne Howlett. An Unwelcome Caller. Half an hour later they were back in camp and busy getting everything in condition for the expected storm. Mrs. Hutchins said that the weather report which reached Fairbury that morning read thus, Rain tonight, strong wind from southeast, not much change in temperature. She had a Philadelphia newspaper, too, which contained a long weather story telling of hurricanes on the Atlantic Ocean and heavy storm-laden winds blowing inland. Hope was expressed, however, that the force of the winds would be pretty well broken before they got far in from the coast. The sky was still clear, and there was no indication as yet of any impending disturbance of the elements. Hardly a breath of air was stirring. The sun was still well up in the heavens. The day was warm but not oppressive. The first work of the girls on their arrival back at the camp had to do with securing the tents against possible tearing loose by a strong wind. Every guy rope was tested, as well as the hooked pegs in the ground to which they were fastened. Special attention was given to the guy ropes attached to the flies, which were intended to protect the under-canvas from the wind and the rain, and to smaller ropes that held the drop flaps close to the ground to prevent the rain from beating in. After this work was completed, Three of the girls began the preparation of supper. All the members of the campfire did duty in shifts in the kitchen, and this was their day. The supper of cream-dried beef, potatoes, peach sauce, cocoa, and bread and butter was over early, and the dishes, principally aluminum, were washed and put away. Still there was no sign of the storm promised by the weatherman. The sun was two hours high and the girls decided to gather a supply of wood with which to build a bonfire at dusk. It was not to be a ceremonial fire, so everybody, wood-gatherers, fire-builders, torch-bearers, got busy. In half an hour Miss Ladd called enough, and the industrious gatherers of dead and dying tree-limbs contemplated with satisfaction the abundant results of their labor. "'That ought to make things look pretty cheerful after we light a match to it tonight said Miss Ladd. Unless we have a regular cloudburst, all the water that falls on that bonfire will go back up in steam. It'll make it pretty hot around here, Catherine Crane suggested. Maybe it won't be so bad if the rain cools the atmosphere, 
said Helen Nash. But the weather report said, not much change in temperature, Ethel Zimmerman reminded. Oh, that has no reference to the cooling of the atmosphere by rainfall, said Marion Stanlock. For instance, you can cool the atmosphere in your home by turning the hose on the front porch, but by doing that you don't lower the temperature as the weather bureau looks at it. Well, we'll drive the mosquitoes away and keep the bats at a distance, Hazel Edwards suggested. At this juncture the conversation was interrupted by the sound of an automobile moving along the drive that ran from the main road half a mile away through the timber to the abandoned hotel. As it stopped, a man stepped out of the machine and advanced toward the group of campfire girls. He was a middle-aged man of medium height and weight, with a stubby sandy moustache and wearing a light gray suit and a Bangkok hat. "'I am looking for Mrs. Hutchins,' he announced, lifting his hat and bowing with an urbane ease that seemed to indicate a kind of professional society practice. He waited for a reply, still in an attitude of conventional politeness. "'I am Mrs. Hutchins,' said Aunt Hannah, rising from a camp chair on which she had been resting from her walk while the girls gathered firewood. "'I hope you will excuse this intrusion.' said the man, advancing a few steps nearer and still holding his hat in his hand. "'But I came to Fairbury from Baltimore especially to see you on important business, and I was told at your home that you might not return to the house for two or three days. I could not very well wait that length of time, so hired an automobile and came here.' The other members of the camping party, realizing that the business interview sought by the man might require privacy, withdrew to a respectful distance. Then suddenly Hazel pointed off toward the southeast and said, "'See there, girls? That must be the storm coming up over the horizon now.' The others looked in the direction indicated, and there was a chorus of concurrence in Hazel's suggestion. Evidently the clouds were moving very rapidly, for even as the girls looked, it seemed that they could see the white-fringed rim of heavy black sky-mist growing larger every moment. "'There's a mighty strong wind behind those clouds,' said Miss Ladd. "'I'm afraid we'd better not build a fire tonight. If it should prove to be a big windstorm without much rain, it might do some serious damage when it got to playing with the fire.' While the other girls were occupied in watching the storm, Hazel stole a glance at her aunt and the unexpected visitor. For some reason that she could not explain, she felt that the man was there for no purpose friendly to Aunt Hannah, and her glance toward them in no wise tended to allay her suspicion. The two were engaged in earnest conversation, and the woman's attitude evidently was a physical reinforcement of a vigorous protest. With a little shudder of apprehension, Hazel was about to turn about and rejoin the girls in their conversation about the storm, when Aunt Hannah motioned to her as if beckoning her to approach the spot where the interview was taking place. The girl did as requested, and as she came within a few feet of her aunt and the stranger, she heard the former say to the man, "'That is absolutely all I can say on the subject. I hope you won't bother me about this matter again, for it won't do you or me any good.' absolutely no more interviews see my attorney i must bid you good day now 
The man turned and left a little stiffly, it seemed, but with at least an effort at his customary politeness. Then Mrs. Hutchins turned to her niece and said, "'Hazel, will you occupy a tent with me tonight? I've got something heavy weighing on my mind, and I simply must take some friendly member of the family into my confidence.' Hazel promised to do as Aunt Hannah requested. End of chapter 10